Open your Bibles to John chapter 14. As you're getting there, like I said, my head is hurting, so the Bible says laughter is like what? It's like, it's like doth the medicine. So, more church bulletin bloopers. On Sunday, a special collection will be taken to defray the cost of the expense of the new carpet. All those wishing to do something on the carpet, come forward and get a piece of paper. For those of you who have children and don't know it, we have a nursery downstairs. <laughs> I want to do one more of these. Yes. Potluck supper tonight. Prayer and medication to follow. <laughs> Amen. Gospel of John chapter 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. This morning we're going to be preaching on my Father's house, heaven. Heaven. I'll make my prayer, we'll go into the message. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for the opportunity to preach your word today, Father. And Lord, I ask that you take control of my mind and my mouth, the actions of my hands and feet. Father, I pray for a fresh unction from on high, and I pray your Holy Spirit work not only in my heart, but the hearts of all those that are here this morning, especially if there's someone here, Father, who doesn't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Heaven will not be their home, Father, because they're lost and undone without hope and without God in this world, and they're headed to a devil's hell. For as sure as heaven is real, hell is real. And Father, help those who know Christ as Savior to always be thankful of what's in store for us when we get to be with our Savior and you for all eternity. Lord, we just pray that you would speak to hearts, that your Holy Spirit can have his will in his way, and all that's said and done might bring honor and glory to our Savior's name. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. In our opening text, Jesus has said he's going somewhere to prepare for the coming of his disciples. Where was he speaking of? Contrary to the Beatles, and you can only imagine, right? Or you can imagine where they say, wouldn't it be great if there's a place where there is no heaven and there is no hell? I don't think it's that great. He's speaking of heaven, and the Bible tells us many different things about heaven. And I want you to stop this morning. And when you think of heaven, what comes to mind? What comes to mind? When I was a little kid, different things. You, know, you thought of angels with wings. Angels don't have wings. Cherubim do. Special group of angels. But angels in general don't have wings. So I don't care how many bells you ring. All right. They don't have wings. 
You think, you know, again, I remember, you know, you, you get the little picture of harps and clouds. Is that what you think of? Have you ever stopped to think about what heaven looks like? Where heaven truly is? Who's going to be there? That's important to me. I didn't, I didn't know what Pastor Kenny, how he was going to be teaching, what he's going to be teaching. So if you see crossovers and emphasis, don't take that we got together. Take it that God's trying to speak to your heart. Okay? So there's crossovers. But I, I did the funeral for a saved man this week. Uh, I know he was saved because I asked him directly many years ago, he and his wife. And she's one of the things a lot of people don't believe the story. But I did the funeral on Wednesday, because that's why I was late getting, I got here just in time, and that's why Pastor Kenny preached Wednesday night, for Marion Teachout. 96 years old, and he went home to be with the Lord. But many, many years ago, when I was, had been called into, back when there was still a Lee Memorial Hospital, they still had their own floor, they had an intensive care, I was called in at like 12.30 at night to pray for the mother and grandmother of one of the families that was in the church at this time. And she was in a coma and they didn't think she was going to make it and she'd never profess Christ. And I said, I'll go in, see if they'll let me in, I'll go pray. And I go into intensive care and I take that lady's hand, doesn't realize there, at least I don't think she realizes there, I find out now they do. I take her hand and I'm praying for her and I'm praying God to give her more time because she's never professed Christ as her Savior. She's always dependent on her good works. And Lord, you're not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. And Father, please, bring her out of the coma. Bring her out of this coma and let her have an opportunity to get saved. Well, three weeks later, she came out of coma that night and three weeks later she did get saved. But it doesn't stop there. I got done praying, I stood up, and Marion, who was in his late 70s, right around 80 at the time, he was 96, He's crying, and he's the man who's been very good to me. Okay, I bought all my property from him. You can't buy property at the price he sold it to me at that time, even if property was worth more. And he just said, Brian, we want good neighbors, and you'll do. And so he sold me this property. Well, I'm there, and I'd go visit he and Mary, Mar Marion and Marion, because they always called her Sally, because her name was Marion, and his name was Marion. Okay, so they called him Junior, and they called her Sally. All right, but very nice people, and they'd gotten saved a long time ago. Okay, she grew up in a Pentecostal home and stuff, and I asked them directly. I wanted to have a chance to win. Have you ever trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I'm not asking if you're a Christian. And she said to me in no uncertain terms, Well, of course I did. Only an idiot wouldn't. That's Sally. She used to be that way. Very, very direct. Anybody who knew her understood. Cheryl's shaking her head. They lived it. They rented a, an apartment out of their house at one time. And Marion goes, yes, Brian, I have. I don't care about anything else. They gave a clear testimony. Well, Marion's crying, and, he's, and I go, Marion, what's wrong? And he goes, well, S Sally's in a coma. They said she's never coming out of it. You know, she had Chartreuse Marie disease. If you don't know what that is, you have to look it up. I'm not sure of the spelling. I think it's French. But her body was deteriorating. She spent probably the last 50 years of her life in a wheelchair. She has a son who has that same disease. His body is deteriorating. His daughter, is. She, she got it very early. She's in a wheelchair. 
And he goes, they said, there's no hope. Her body function is shutting down. And Brian, I'm not ready to let her go. If I could just get three more years, maybe I'd be ready to let her go. And I says, Marion, do you mind if I go pray? And he goes, would you please? They're sending me home. I'm just too old. I can't stay up like this. They said they call me if she goes in the night, but they don't believe she's going to last much before the morning. There's no hope. So I go over and I kneel down next to her bed and I start praying, Lord, Sally's yours. Absent from the body is present with the Lord. Father, if you want to take her home, you take her home. But please, Lord, in your mercy and your grace, Marion's not ready to say goodbye. So if you could please let her come out of this coma and give them three more years together. They were married 60 years when she passed. If you can give her just three more years, God, it would just be such a testimony to his family and he'd be ready then because she's ready to go home to you. I got up and I left. I get a phone call at 8 o'clock the next morning and it's Marion and he says, Brian, Sally wants to talk to you. She wants to talk to me. She came out of, she out of a coma? Marion? Yeah, they're moving her out onto the floor. She'll be in a, a general room in the hospital. Okay, I can't get there until around noontime. He says, that's fine. She just wants to talk to you today. She's got a bone to pick with you. I get to the hospital. I walk through the door. In her first words, it's, your fault I'm here. I'm serious. Marion Shelley was as direct She's as blunt as a two-by-four upside the head. And she says, your fault. And I go, what do you mean, Sally? And she goes, I had already left my body. I was looking at the face of my Savior, and I was going home. And you started praying. And Jesus looked to me and said, well, Sally, your husband's not ready. You need to go back. And she said, I'd already seen heaven. And you made me come back here. And she goes, so I'm not real happy with you, so cut my Salisbury steak, it's time to eat lunch. She lived just shy of three and a half more years, and God took her home. And I give a little bit of the testimony of that at Marion's funeral Wednesday. That's a testimony of somebody who had left and came back, who was a believer. Not this garbage you see. Okay, in so many other ways. But we have a more sure word of prophecy than that. The word of God that God has given us. And in his word, he tells you, in my Father's house are many mansions. Not little rooms. Okay. I want a mansion over the hilltop. And I go to prepare a place for you. See, because every word of God is important. We're told in Psalm 12, verses 6 and 7, that He's preserved it. Now, I know you've heard that. And if He's preserved it, He wants to give it to me so I can understand it. And in Matthew chapter 24, verse 35, it says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but it's not the principles, it's not the doctrines. It says, but my W-O-R-D-S shall not pass away. The words are important. And when somebody tries to change things, so you can't make the cross-references, and if you don't understand that, I'll loan you a parallel Bible and you'll see exactly what I mean. 
because they change things and you can't make the cross-references. Okay? So sometimes you can lose some of the beauty of what heaven is because it doesn't say the same thing in everything that has H-O-L-Y-B-I-B-L-E on the cover. So we're going to talk this morning about heaven. First thing I want you to know, I'm going to ask you a question. Has heaven always been there? No. No. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form or void. Something happened. I'm not going into it. I'm not preaching that point. I'm not trying to convince you something you don't want to hear. But it says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Because God walked in the cool of the evening on earth with Adam, the first created man. Not a picture of what mankind came from. So, you know what? Heaven isn't eternal. Is it everlasting now? Yes. Eternal means without beginning or end. So it's not eternal. It hasn't always been there. God created that. Secondly, is there more than one heaven? There wasn't in Genesis 1.1. Because if there was, then God's a liar. But in Genesis chapter 2, in verse 1 it says, Thus were the heavens... And the earth, thus, thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. So Genesis 1.1, one heaven. Something takes place, and by Genesis 2, there's three heavens. Okay? Three heavens. The first heaven, that's our atmosphere today. In Job 35, and verse 11, it speaks of the fowls of heaven. And I know you're going to say, well, maybe those fowls are those, those fallen angels, those unclean spirits. But in Mark chapter 4, and verse 32, it speaks of the fowls of the air. Okay? Go to Genesis chapter 15. I may have some of you turn in your Bibles more, and you read more this morning than you have all week. And if that's true, shame on you if you're saved. If you're not saved, <laughs> reading the Bible is about as foreign to you as uh, me trying to speak in Greek and Hebrew. Genesis 15. And here we have the Lord. He's appeared unto Abram. This is the point of Abram's salvation. And he's going on and it says, And after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, for I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus? So you want to know who got sent to go find a, a bride for Isaac? There's the name of the steward, okay? That's just extra. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, born in my house is... And lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he shall come forth out of thine own bowels, shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou, can be, able, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto them, So shall thy seed be. Look at verse 6. And he believed in the Lord in what? Counted him for righteousness. 
counted him for righteousness. There's none right, righteous, no, not one. There's none understandeth and none seeketh after God. It was counted him for righteousness. He believed what God had revealed to him. Now, is there more that goes on with that? Yes. But the point is, here it was counted him for righteousness. I want you to see the importance of every word. Okay? Because he told him to look now toward heaven and tell the stars. Where are the stars? They're in what we call outer space. The second heaven, right? And he's got to speak in here to Abraham. So now we've got two heavens. One's where the fowls of the air fly and where the stars and the moon are. What does this also tell us about heaven? And he brought him forth and he told him, now look toward heaven. Look toward heaven. You ready? Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 19, Unless thou lift up thine eyes unto heaven, and when thou seest the sun and the moon and the stars, even all the host of heaven, shouldest be driven to worship them and serve them, which the Lord thy God hath divided unto all nations under the whole heaven. And I don't, I'm not trying to point out worship of the sun, the moon, and the stars. I'm pointing out, he says, lift, lift up thine eyes. You know what I know from my King James Bible? I know heaven's up. Deep doctrine this morning. You know, it's, <laughs> I'll get to one of my things to try to make my head go. Could somebody after the service loan me about $5 in ones because I'm going to owe them to my wife before this service is over. See, heaven's up. This is the second heaven. The sun, the moon, the stars are all the host of this heaven. I don't know about you, but that's not what I think the heaven I'm going to looks like. That's not God's heaven, is it? No. So, there's the third heaven. And yes, the Bible speaks of three heavens. Remember Genesis 2.1? Genesis 2.1 what? The heavens, they were finished, Right? Heavens, plural. Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 19, it says, Behold, the heaven and the heaven of heavens is the Lord thy God. Solomon in his high prayer and dedication of the temple in 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 39 states, Then hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place. And contrary to a religious group, and I'm not going to give the name, you can ask me afterwards. He's not hiding on the backside of the planet Jupiter. There is a so-called group that many people consider Christian, and that's where they believe he is. No, he's in the heaven of heavens. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I just want you to know some things about heaven. The Bible says, I would not have you to be ignorant brethren. Many times, the Apostle Paul, in trying to teach the inspired Word of God given to him. In another place, it says, if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. You want to be ignorant? Stay that way. And you make ignorant choices. And you have ignorant convictions. Amen? When's this going to get nice, Pastor? Well, I like this next point. It's nice. 
2 Corinthians chapter 12. I think I put a mark. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, starting at verse 1. It is not expedient. This is the Apostle Paul giving his testimony about what has happened with him. It's not expedient for me to doubtless the glory. In other words, he says, I'm not going to brag on myself because one of the dangers of being good is pride. Watch. If you don't know what I'm talking about, when there's a service going on, come to it. Then you'd know. It is not expedient for me to doubtless the glory. I will come into visions and revelations of God. I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. I just gave you the testimony of a woman who claimed to be out of the body. Okay? I cannot tell. Such a one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth. How that he was caught up into what? Paradise. And heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such and a one I will glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in my infirmities. And you know the rest of that passage. For my strength is made perfect in weakness, right? So rather I glory in my infirmities that may that when I am weak I may be strong, the Apostle Paul's talking about. But he mentions the third heaven and he says it's paradise. Or at least that's where paradise is. I think it's kind of neat. You know, there's a little girl raised in the city when my wife and I were young. Her family used to get the, they, what do they call them? Sunshine kids? Fresh air kids. They'd bring them up out of New York City, come up, and these, they, I mean, they had a kid one time and he thought chocolate milk came from a chocolate cow. He was raised in the city. He goes, I don't know. You go to the store and they got it and it's in bottles. Okay? He didn't know it was made any different than that. He didn't come from chocolate. Well, milk comes from cows, right? So chocolate milk must come from a chocolate cow. So many times you say it can be that silly. Well, I wonder what some of the thoughts you had as a country kid were. All right? But this little girl, she was in the country for the very first time, and she got to see her first night sky, not interrupted by all the lights and the flashing and the noise of the city. And she saw this beautiful and all of a sudden, you know, it wasn't noisy enough and so because the only thing she could hear was the peepers. And she looked up and she saw all the stars. The moon was bright that night. And she looked at it and said, Oh, Mother, if heaven is so beautiful on the wrong side, what must it be like on the right side? You need to think about what it looks like on the right side. Said he was caught up to paradise. Now, you need to know something. When Abraham went, and he went to Abraham's bosom. He went to the paradise compartment of hell. Jesus, when he gave up the ghost, went and preached to the prisoners. They hadn't been released. Not to those who were in the, the burning side of hell. He preached to the paradise side. He told the dying thief on the cross when that thief made a confession of trusting or knowing Christ as Lord because he said, Lord, rememberest thou me when thou comest into thy kingdom? And Jesus said, 
Verily, verily, say unto thee, this day thou shalt be with me in. Was Jesus in he- going to heaven then? No, Old Testament saints, they went to Abraham's bosom, the paradise side of hell. Because the price hadn't been fully paid for them to ascend. If you don't believe that, I'm nuts, I don't care. Go talk to Pastor Kinney about it after the service. I have a headache. Okay. Okay, I'm just telling you. All right, you can go to Luke 23, verse 43. You can go to Ephesians 4, 8, and 9. Psalm 68 and verse 18. Do you want to know what those verses are? Look them up. I won't take time this morning. You're cranky this morning. I got a headache. Okay. I want you to know something. You know, we, we kid about women being fickle. You know, they can't make up their minds. You know, men can't make up their minds either. When they're trying to get their wife, you know, and they're, they're wooing her, and they're going, you know, they may say something like this. They may say, Oh, honey, where you are when I'm with you, it's heaven. And then after about 15 years of marriage, they look at their wife and they say, Woman, why are you trying to make my life a living hell? I told you, Karen, you're not going to be happy with me this morning. (laughs) So it's paradise. And when he took captivity captive and he ascended up, he took them with him. Amen? So now it's the paradise of God. Certain things about heaven. Where is it? We've already seen that heaven is up. It's not on earth. It's up. What you also can know about heaven? In Job 26 and verse 7 it says, He, that's speaking of God, stretcheth out the north over that empty place and hangeth the earth upon nothing. You know what I'm telling you heaven is? North. For the sake of time, we won't turn there, but in Isaiah chapter 14, when you learn about the rebellion... And it didn't happen after Genesis 1-3 of Lucifer when he became Satan. And when he says he's going to ascend unto the what? Sides in the north. He's going to put his throne above the stars of God. He will be like the Most High five times. Five is not the number of grace in your Bible. Five is the number of death. I can prove it to you. Scripture, 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 Scripture. I don't care what some guy in a, a commentary says. Go by what the book says. Because people don't like thinking about death. But five is the number of death. You don't believe me? Look up Genesis 5. Not now, but Genesis 5.5. 5, the first man in the Bible dies. All right? And it continues with that. If you have a King James Bible. Heaven is north. See, because he's going to have his throne on the sides of the north. My mind is different than yours. I understand that. You say yours is normal, mine's a little off. Okay, you can agree with my wife. And I just think about, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. We got people, kids today, they don't know about God, but they can tell you all about Superman. Isn't it interesting where Superman came from? 
And he likes being in his secret place on earth. He's in the depths of the north with ice all around him. Just an interesting thing. Don't understand me. Go learn about Superman. If you won't learn about God, you can learn a little bit about God, and then if you can take it to your King James Bible, you don't find Superman in the Bible. Okay. But I know this. He could do things with his x-ray eyes, right? And I look at Genesis or Revelation chapter 1, and I see my Savior's eyes. Okay. They're always trying to substitute somebody for God. Like, old Nick, Santa Claus. I don't know. I don't do that. I can't go there. Parents will be mad at me. Okay. So heaven is up. Scripture. I give you Scripture. Two of them that points to the fact that heaven is north. Would you agree that with me so far? Okay. If you can't, ask Pastor Kenny, and he'll give you more verses. Because <laughs> I have a headache. <laughs> I am your headache. <laughs> so we know where heaven is. What is heaven like? You ever wonder what heaven's like? <laughs> There's no women in heaven. There's, see, that's one. There's no women in heaven. How can you prove that? I'm not going to go to the other places, you know, like, you know, we're going to, I could. We're going to have a body like Jesus' glorified body. I'll talk a little bit about that, but, you know, they're males. But in Revelation chapter 8 and verse 1, it says, And when he had opened the seventh seal, this is why I know there's no women in heaven, there was silence in heaven about the space of one half hour. I told you you would smile, Walter. <laughs> Okay. Has anybody got an extra room I can stay in tonight? <laughs> Seriously, what is heaven like? Now, that was a joke, all right? Please take that as a joke. We'll get phone calls as this thing is broadcast. There's people who listen to this over in Europe sometimes and it downs all over. Okay. What? Okay. Seriously, what is heaven like? Well, Job 26.11 tells us there's pillars in heaven. Psalm 78 and verse 23. Oh, that's just trying to give a picture for you. That's not real. Every word of God is pure. Tried in the furnace of the earth. Purified seven times. Want to know why seven times? Yes, Pastor Kenny. Psalm 78 and verse 23, there's doors in heaven. There's doors in heaven. Psalm 11 and verse 4 states, and the Lord is in His holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyelids try the children of men. So, His temple, the holy temple is in heaven. Malachi 3 and verse 10, I like this one because I like what goes along with it. When you learn how to tithe, God says He's going to open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing unto you. Psalm 148 verse 4 says there's water above the heavens. Water's above the heavens. 
You know, it's an interesting thing when they first started sending astronauts out into the heaven. They didn't realize until they got there that the second heaven is full of ice crystals. Ice is just another form of water. Except when it starts getting really cold. It's so cold your blood won't run. But that's okay because in heaven you don't have any. If you don't believe me, ask Pastor Kenny. No, I'll give you verses for it, all right? Turn to Revelation chapter 4. There's windows in heaven, there's water above heaven. Revelation chapter 4, just part of the picture of what heaven is going to be for us. What's going on there right now. Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. I mean, Revelation chapter 4, starting at verse 1. We'll read the chapter. After this I look and behold a what? Door was opened where? And the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show these things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold a what? Throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and sardine stone. And there was a rainbow round about his throne in the sight like an emerald. Isn't it easy to see the way the world perverts what a rainbow is supposed to represent? And round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass, like unto crystal. And in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were the four beasts full of eyes before and behind. Do you know something? When water freezes and there's not full of impurities, you know what it's like? And the first beast was like a lion, and the second beast was like a calf, and the third beast had the face of a man, and the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. And the four beasts had of them, had each of them six wings about him. Oh, you mean they were male. And they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and which is, and which is to come. Isn't it interesting, was and is and is to come? If you go back to Revelation chapter 1, you find that's a reference to who? Jesus Christ. No man has seen the Father any time lest the Son declare Him. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to Him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before Him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. You're going to find sometimes we preach, your memory verses coming up will be in the message. See, John's vision of heaven 
precious stones, gold, sea of glass. Doesn't that sound a little bit more like what heaven ought to be? If it's pretty from this side and beautiful from this side, it ought to be so much more beautiful from the right side. Amen. Do you know that scientists, and I've read this when I preach a message on heaven, every time, this was taken from the editor's mailbag of the Daily Review, February 20th, 1970. And they've got even better telescopes now, and they still can't explain all of what they see. It says, one of the most inspiring and thrilling of recent disclosures. See, I was alive back then. Most of, <laughs> most of you probably weren't, but that's okay. 1970. One of the most inspiring and thrilling recent disclosures of astronomers is that there is a great empty space in the north, in the nebula of the constellation of Orion, a heavenly cavern so gigantic that the mind of man cannot comprehend it and so brilliantly, yeah, brilliantly beautiful that words cannot adequately describe it. The revelations were made possible by gigantic lenses plus long exposures of photographic plates. See, they do a little different now. In which, in turn, can be further magnified. This increases the vision of man so tremendously that he is able to peer into the depths of interstellar space and glimpse the vastness of eternity itself. What has been found correlates the words of Job. He stretches out the north over the empty place. All astronomers agree that there is a huge opening in Orion which is perhaps more than 16 quadrillion, 740 trillion miles in diameter. That is 16740000000000. Because if I tell you something times 10 to this power, some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. That's a big number, isn't it? The diameter around the Earth's orbit is 186,000 miles, which in itself is incomprehensible generally to man. Yet the opening into this heavenly cavern of Orion is 90,000 times as wide. In other words, there could be 30,000 solar systems like our own with a sun in the middle of each across the entrance of the opening in the north and there still would be room to spare. But surpassing the immensity of its size is, is the exquisite beauty and the luminous colors that are unlike any upon earth. Professor Lierkin at the Mount Lowe Observatory gives us the following description from one of these telescopes. He was an astronomer. These photographs reveal the opening in an interior of a cavern so stupendous that our entire solar system would be lost therein. I have watched it since the days of youth in many telescopes of many powers, but never dreamed that the central region in the mouth of this opening is a colossal cave. Pen and writer and brush of artists alike are lifeless and inert in any attempt to describe its, this interior. For the depth of Orion, the depth of the Orion Nebula appears like a torn and, and twisted objects in a river, masses of shining glass, irregular pillars and columns and stalactites and glitter, gl glittering splendor and stalagmites from the mighty floor. The appearance 
is like that of light shining and glowing behind the clear walls of ivory and pearl studded with millions of diamonds, shining stars. There must be some reason why all this grandeur is lavished on this one spot in the heavens. The colors are a hue peculiar to Orion and studded around the opening so that they appear as a pavement of starry sand. No wonder the astronomers, many of them not religious, relate. they seem to feel as if they are in some almighty presence while scanning this part of the heavens and become speechless before this great outburst of grandeur extending for trillions of miles in space. We used to have an evangelist come whose name was Dan Andre. He had friends that worked at NASA. And this is back in the early days of our church, okay? We had him even up until the 80s. And he didn't travel as much then. He had some health concerns. But you know what was happening? Because as they become, the computers get better and better and their ability to keep more exacting numbers because God is a God of order. There was a great evangelistic purge of many of the astronomers because they had no explanation about what they were observing and the order of it and the way that it fit together mathematically other than that it was of a great designer. And they questioned if there is a designer, what does that lead to? And many, many, many hundreds of them end up coming to Christ. Isn't that a beautiful picture of what heaven is? Hmm? Can you imagine seeing it on the right side and not from the wrong side? Next thing I want you to know about that is that uh, believers will be changed to go there. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I have a comment just for Mike Viscom this morning. Mike, I'm keeping us in a flying pattern. Okay. If you want to know what that means, don't ask Pastor Kenny, ask Mike. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You still with me? Heaven's kind of beautiful, isn't it? 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verse 48. As is the earthy, that's you and me right now, primarily lost people especially. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, flesh and Every word is pure. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. You lose a doctrine when you change this. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Remember that, flesh and blood. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be in the nursery. Come on. We shall all be changed. 
In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. Old Testament. But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our... Therefore, my beloved brethren, we're looking for a change. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Philippians chapter 3. Don't need to turn there, I'll read it for you. Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21 says this. For our conversation, see our manner of life, our conversation is in heaven from whence we also, from where we also look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body according to the working whereby He is able to subdue all things unto Himself. So our body is going to be like His. Right? Go to Luke 24. Am I putting a private interpretation on what I just read you? Luke 24. Verse 36. This is after Jesus had ascended. What was shed to pay the price for your sin? The blood of Jesus Christ. And as they thus spake, Jesus Himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. He's appearing to them in the upper room. But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And He said unto them, Why are you troubled? And why do do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold My hands and feet, it is I Myself. Handle Me. See, it's physical. And see, for a spirit doth not have what? Flesh and bones as ye see me have. What didn't he say? Flesh and blood. Because your resurrected body doesn't have any. In this life, the life of the flesh is in the blood. Blood is what gives you life. Do you know when that fetus starts developing and the blood flow comes from the mother and then it starts building up its own blood, and sometimes when there's an RH factor wrong, it can be hard on the mother, hard on the baby. There's a lot of different things. Toxic pregnancies come out of that. Don't believe me? Talk to the nurses. Talk to Melanie. she got the background there. All right. Life of the flesh is in the blood. The blood is what gives us life, but the blood, physical blood, is also what kills us. It transports diseases all the way around the body. How do you think cancer metastasizes? There's so many different things with that, okay? And he says flesh and bones. So you know what I'm going to have? This makes it easier for me to understand, okay? That I can be transported faster than that in the moment, in the 
That's not the blinking of an eye, it's the twinkling of an eye. You ever look at something, oh, their eyes are so pretty, they just twinkle? The twinkling of an eye. It's been measured, I can't remember the number. If you want to know what the number is, <laughs> look it up. He has the number written down someplace I know. They measured it, seriously, <laughs> okay? We shall all be changed. Paul speaks of us who are saved, receiving new bodies fashioned after Jesus' Jesus's glorious body. What does that mean? No blood after the resurrection, flesh and bones. Back in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. All sickness is from the blood. You know, if you're saved, heaven is guaranteed. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I love it. I don't care. There's churches that say the rapture is a false doctrine. You can't find the word rapture in the Bible. No. You don't. Rapture is a word we use to describe the transformation. Okay? I can point to many verses that point to that thing. But I just think the fact that all those people who thought I was an idiot because I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior and the trumpet sounds and I go up, a bunch of them are going to get lumps on their heads from all the metal that's holding me together right now. They don't have to go with me. i got a new one coming, right? You know what heaven becomes for God's child by inheritance? Their guarantee. Go to 1 Peter chapter 3. I just want you to understand about heaven this morning. You say, well, that's good. You, know, you ought to look forward to it. You shouldn't be so in love with this world that you're not looking for heaven. Sometime God put, God put some of the greatest things that you hold here, there, so it makes it more precious for us. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Now I say, why is that important? Because if it's an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that means I can't mess up that inheritance here. Do you understand me? Am I reading something into that wrongly? Incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of your good works. No who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. Look at verse 23 of the same chapter. Being born again not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the Word of God which liveth and abideth forever. Ooh. Say, where was your Bible before it was in 1611 King James Bible. Well, where was it before that? And where was it before that? It was in heaven. 
you know, I don't know today, I don't know fully, I have my own ideas, but I don't know fully without 100% because I'm not there yet. That's the only reason we can look back at things in our Bible that the Old Testament prophets didn't know. They just had to believe what God told them to put down. They didn't know what it meant. I don't know the language of, leaven, of, language of heaven for sure. I don't know it. I will one day. Amen? Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my W-O-R-D-S shall not pass away. Man, you can't separate the living word from the written word. Because you don't know the understanding of the, the living word if you don't have the revelation from the written word. So man, God's got to give it to you in a way you can understand it. Not in something that you hope someone translated properly. So, we've seen where heaven is. It's up and it's north. We've seen what heaven is like from the wrong side. We've seen a little bit about what we'll be like in heaven. Now, what are we going to do there? What are we going to do there? Turn to Revelation chapter 21. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. Oh, the separation's gone. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, and prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God. A tabernacle is a place of what? Worship. The tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people, and God Himself shall be with them and be their God. You know what's going to happen? New Jerusalem, and heaven for all eternity, worship. Four and twenty elders are falling down before the, the throne. I, Sam Gipp had an idea with that one. He says, isn't that kind of interesting? We try to figure that out. What do they do? Well, they're throwing down crowns. I wonder if there's a storage of crowns given for them so they could give proper worship. You know, it's like that ball return thing for basketball when he's shooting. Or maybe the balls just keep reappearing as they take, put it on their head, then throw it down at his feet. I don't know. But for eternity, they're worshiping who? Him that sitteth on the throne. So we're going to worship God in heaven. You know what we're also going to do? 1 Peter chapter 2. I promise we'll, we'll close this up. I think I got the right reference. Look at verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You're a royal priesthood. What do priests do? 
they act as a go-between between men and God. And then they're supposed to be a go-between between God and men. A holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises. You know what you're going to do? You're going to serve God in heaven or in eternity. Look at Revelation chapter 1. Verse 4. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his what? God's own blood. And he hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. Isn't it interesting? Unto God and who? And his Father. Every word is important. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. I don't know about you, but I kind of like that. I might be a pauper here, but I'm not going to be in glory. I just got to have the right attitude. You know, my father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I don't have to compete with Trump or any other person with their finances. I don't have to own Google. I don't have to build warehouses all around this country to, to sell stuff and become multi, 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 multi billionaires. Because if they don't know Jesus Christ, I have more than they do. For what will a man give in exchange for his soul? They just don't know it yet. Psalm 89, verses 35 through 37, talks about as faithful witnesses in heaven. You say, why is that important? Because you know what the truth is? You will not do there what you don't learn to do here. Do you understand me? If it's about you here, even though you're saved, you're going to have a hard time making it about him there. You know what now is? It's training grounds for eternity. Luke 19. I'm finishing up, I promise. Luke 19. Verse 11. And as they heard these words, the word they heard is Jesus saying, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. And as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable because he was nigh to Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately come, should immediately appear. People, when you read your Bible, things that are different are not the same. The kingdom of God is not the kingdom of heaven. They mess that up in some Bibles. You know how I know it's different? Heaven is spelled H-E-A-V-E-N. God is spelled G-O-D. Heaven is a place I go. God is a, a being I should worship. 
I shouldn't worship the place. I should worship the being. And so here it says God. Some Bibles, they change it to heaven. They're not the same. Not the same. Verse 11. as though that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. He said, Therefore a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive of himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. In other words, get busy till I come and get you. And he gave them something to do. All right? And his citizens hated him and sent a message after him saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom... Then commanded these serv- he commanded these servants to be called unto him to whom he had given the money. That's what a pound was, okay? That he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained ten pounds. And he said unto him, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful over very little, thou shalt have authority over... So he's going to give him authority over What? Gee, I wonder how the universe is going to be controlled. And the second came, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds. See, they learned to use what he gave them to give him more when he came. They're giving him glory. And he said, Likewise to him, thou be thou also over five cities. And to another came, saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I have kept laid up in a napkin, for I feared thee, and because thou art an austere man, thou takest up that which thou layest not down, and reapest that thou didst not sow. And he saith unto him, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. Thou knewest that I was an austere man, taking up that I laid not, not down, and reaping what I did not, that I did not sow. Wherefore, then, gavest not thy money into the bank, that at my coming I might have required mine own with usury. And he said unto them that stood by, Take from him the pound, and give it to him that hath ten pounds. And they said unto him, Lord, he hath ten pounds. For I say unto you that every one that hath shall be given, and from him that hath not, even that which he hath shall be taken away. But those mine enemies, which would not that I should reign over them, bring hither and slay them before me. If you read the parable of the pounds, and you compare it to the parable of the talents found in Matthew 25, 14-30, they're not the same. You don't see here about anyone with the pound being cast into outer darkness and there be weeping and gnashing of teeth. They're different. One is the kingdom of heaven. One is the kingdom of God. If you want to know more about that, ask Pastor Kenny. They're ruling, they're got, they're re- ruling over cities for their service here. There's rewards. There's five crowns you can earn. Do you understand that? Loss of rewards for no service. You still go to heaven because that's incorruptible, undefiled, and reserved in heaven for you because of His righteousness. You say, okay, here's why I just go off a little bit. I want you to think this is not, I can't give you full Scripture verse on it, okay? Cities inhabited by people from the millennium who go forward into eternity. What cities? I'm going to have a body fashioned like unto his glorious body. Isaiah 45, verse 18. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, 
He established it. He ordered it not in vain, for he formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord. There is none else. Please stand. You ever wonder, that says, a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness? Who's going to be there? Do you know, adults, you want to have your children learn good principles of the Christian walk? They'll learn and do that if they watch and observe you learning and doing that. I want to ask you this morning, are you going to heaven? Do you know that if you were to die today without a shadow of a doubt, that heaven would be your home based on Jesus Christ's righteousness, not your self-inflated self-righteousness? If you don't know that, we invite you to come. We'll have someone show you from the Word of God how you can be saved. If you are old enough to understand that you have sinned, you're old enough to be saved. If you're here and you have never prayed to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we invite you to come. I don't care how young you are, how old you are. If a young one comes, mom or dad, you come with them because you're the one who needs to show them We'll have a man speak with men and boys and a lady speak with men and girls. If you're here and not saved, you come. We'll have someone show you so that heaven can be reserved for you. Is heaven beautiful from this side? Are you ready to see it from the other side? You ever thank God that you're going to have a heavenly body? Last. My Savior, my King, left a commandment when He exited this earth. Just like He gave a commandment to His servants with the pounds. And he said, go. And you know the rest of that. And there's opportunity to gain pounds, rewards, when we follow his commands here. Are you putting his blessing in your life in a napkin and holding it so you can insult him by just giving that back to him? Or are you willing to take what He's given you and what He's commanded you and add to it? I look at it and I say, what is my, your hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye? The Apostle Paul saying, to those He led to Christ at His coming. And I can give Him back something more precious than money, which was given to me and someone else 
help them and they get a reward more precious than money. It's a different message on the crowns. But are you spending time trying to recruit for you? Build up for you? Or are you working for the Master so that one day he could say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enterest thou into the joy of the Lord. Believer, the choice is yours. Have I always done it right? No. And I'm always on my knees telling God, forgive me, help me to do it right. And maybe today some of you need to be on your knees, believer, saying, God, I haven't done it right. I've made it about me, about my problems, about my health, about the lack of money or the gain of money about the problems I have within my own heart, the problems I have within my family's heart, the problems I have with my neighbors, the problems we have in this country. And I haven't made it about a far greater country. If God's speaking to your heart this morning, I need to kneel from preaching the message God's spoken to me. Has He spoken to you? If He has, you come.